Well, I've been looking forward to this. This is when I saw my list. This is the the interview I was really excited about because always had a fascination from afar about the sport of fencing from uh, Gladiator Gladiators Fencing Club. Ilya's here, um, sir. Welcome. Uh, give us the little, the, the, I guess the you know the short speech on on what exactly fencing is. I think we all see it in the Olympics, but is that a true representation of the sport and, and the people that are involved? It is at a small peak of the sport okay so, uh, broadly there's uh international fencing federation has 150 members so it's one of the largest sports federations in the world but we don't see it very often here um, at the community level there are seven regional clubs mm. so the majority of participants do it as a kind of a recreational activity or uh, compete at uh, like by age group um, it's one of the original Olympic sports. It's been in every single Olympic Games, and there are three disciplines. So foil, epi, and saber, and each one has its own characteristics and rules. Now, let me, okay, so let's talk about that, the sport itself. Maybe the explanation of the three would give us a good launching point because somebody might be watching on television and won't have, but what are the differences between the three disciplines? So in, first, you can look at the, the implement we use. Okay. So a saber is uh, uh, the most of the actions to score. You use the edge of the, the blade. Okay. So it's a kind of we we call it the, the motion of a cut. Mm-hmm. So the other two foil and epe, they are you touch with the point. Okay. And it's scored electronically, and the foil and epe you depress a button at the end. And when you depress it a few hundred grams, then it'll register a point. Okay. Uh, the target area is different in the rules. So Epe is the newest addition to the Olympic Games. It entered the Games in 1900. So it's kind of um, most basic uh, duel. Mm-hmm. So you, you first to score a touch gets a point. If you both hit at the same time, you both get a point. Whereas foil and saber come from a, a history of practicing and learning to defend an attack at the appropriate moment so there's a convention called the right of way and you get it by attacking first if someone attacks you you're obliged to defend before you have the chance to score so in foil the evolved from a historical practice event for learning how to duel so the target is the torso where you would touch like the mask arms and legs don't count Mm -hmm. So we call it uh, off-target, a non-valid touch, and then you get points for touching the torso. Now, many kids come into the sport thinking it looks like uh, sword fighting in a movie. Sure. But it's not really practical, but that's a spectacle. Yeah. So um, a lot of the technical things, we, you know, the main thing is to avoid being hit, and then hit, and often you have to hit in the right moment. So there's a large degree of judging distance and timing. Do we use the different disciplines as kind of, you know, entry level and then bridges to the next? Is is one more difficult than the other? Do we start beginners in one? Uh, historically, the tradition was to start in a foil because it had elements of all three disciplines. But uh, really, it's uh, highly specialized in every event. You won't see any more uh, top-level performer in more than one. But you can start... Common elements like footwork, some basic like tactical ideas, 
they're they're common to all. Right. But of course, as you get better, you specialize. So it's not a um, three different levels where you would start in one and advance to another. It's three different subsports, and even the energy systems you would use. Um, Saber, because of the rules and the the way you score, it's more um, sprinting. So the time between touches is much shorter. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have 30 hits in 45 seconds. But in the other ones, the evolution of developing the ability to score a touch and avoid being hit can take you know, 40 seconds between points. So, is it okay? Is it an easy sport to pick up? Is what's the entry like for a new athlete? So, if you're six, seven years old or fifty, and you want to try, it's a good way just to take an individual lesson, learn kind of the basic movements, learn kind of a little bit of basic coordination. But because of the protective gear and the way we score, you could be put into a match right away. With other beginners, we fence so we're usually on the first day, scoring machines. Yep. And so a lot of it is discovering uh, how to score. If you have a difficulty scoring because someone's defense is good, we treat it like a problem that you have to solve. So right. the individual lesson, we work on the problem solving and more refined technical corrections in a group lessons. If your most introductory courses are group we learn like basic movements, how to lunge better, how to make uh, decisions, the distance that you want to attack from. So it's something you can get into right away. But of course, there's a lot of refinement. It's always struck me as a little bit, from the outside looking in, a little bit like a martial art in a way that, that I think the further you go, the more in, in control of your body you have to be, the more you know, in tune with kind of the, the, I, I, the finer skills, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. The... So the, generally, you can have a couple lessons and have an idea what to do. Sure. But uh, the better fencing masters in the world are giving individual lessons to a, you know, they're seven, six, seven years old, and their understanding and their timing, how how smooth they are, um, they they continue to develop. It's like all sports. You, yeah. Over over time, you might not be able to move as fast as your athlete, but in the, they still can give a good sense of. Know, refining movement, and as you become a better athlete, then the contribution of you know supplemental training is more important sure. and strength. But uh, so, is technique more important than athleticism? Does he understand it? Seems to me it's a sport. You've mentioned it already about kind of the you know the the tech, not the technique, but the strategy behind it. It seems to me that, it, you know, you could have an incredible athlete, but if they don't have the strategy, if they don't have the technique, that somebody with that lesser an athlete could best them. Yeah, it could happen. So generally, the best are well-rounded. Okay. And um, you have uh, very technically proficient people, but if, if they're lacking some speed, there's always, there's, there's always something that, if, if, if you have a problem, someone can exploit it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, the higher level is uh, exploiting weaknesses or trying to enforce your, your strengths on your opponent so that right. you kind of control the situation. Is there beer league fencing? And uh, by, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, is there, there is. So, um, like, especially in uh, there's, um, we call it veterans because the history of fencing, the masters were like 
expert. So there's a sure. 200 year history of a fencing master. Yeah. But uh, the the veteran category, it's you go out and fence. It's uh, you know they're not really training. They just kind of get their gear on, sweat a lot, score points. The um, the competitions at that level too. They say it's the most fun, but they actually have like an intensity and then like mm-hmm. a friendship. So we have, you know, de- quite a large developing um, uh, veterans league. They have veterans world champions ships sure. like over fifty. So you have ex athletes yeah. and also people that are newer into the sport that have progressed. And uh, I've been to clubs where they have ten year old kids practicing, and then an eighty five year old guy suits up fences a little bit yeah you know so it's um it's one of the sports that you can participate in well into your life like okay so tell me a little bit about your club the gladiators fencing club who's who's involved who do you work with so gladiators fencing club we we started in 2001 uh with ex-athletes a large portion of the club is really young people getting introduced to the sport and um, we like we like to put the young kids in competition, but more to there's uh, opportunity to solve problems, see different opponents. Every opponent is a new problem, mm-hmm. so just to develop the skill of adapting. And we have you know, the, these master level fencers who come out just for fun. Sure. We have uh, kids in junior high and high school that are training. We have an uh, athlete who's Pan Am champion. We have. Uh, attempting to go to qualify for the Olympics and like everything in between like five years old carrying a modified gear like plastic foil so it's a little bit lighter yeah you know so we have a whole range of, of participants so I'm I would love to ask this question about because um, I'm a big believer in multi-sport. Is it a is it a complementary sport? Is it a good sport for you know maybe somebody who's doing a team sport, but you know looking to diversify? Does it does it fit that, or does it require your full 12 month attention? Especially when you're starting, it doesn't require 12 months, right? Sure. Because the better every sport will contribute something else to to your development. So. Um, a lot of the best fencers, they come into the sport. You can see who has uh, you know, greater fundamental skills. They yeah. can, you know, uh, better capacity for work. You know. But uh, the recreational fencer, he's going to benefit a lot from participating in something. Mm-hmm. So when I saw an article that people are paying for individual private lessons in video gaming, it shocked me a little bit, but I guess... That makes sense today's age. They want to have some confidence. But I just thought, why don't you put them in a sport? If you try enough sports, you're going to be good at something. Yes, absolutely. So uh, that's why we've participated in all sport one day since its inauguration. And yeah. I love it as a concept because people will not think of something like fencing. And they'll try it. They'll be good at it. Or you like the idea of it. And then... You kind of work at it and develop. So there's a lot of roots to, to me, it. When you say that, you know, you're probably one of the first people in, in sport that I've talked to that has, has pointed directly to problem solving 
as being you know part of the sport and I think to all of these young team sport athletes that we seem to be early specializing that could benefit from doing something completely different because there's you're gonna sweat doing this this is you know this is not easy work but the technique the problem-solving I don't know if sometimes if we draw the direct conclusion from hockey to fencing but we can from you know in, in the terms of problem-solving you need that in any sport it just seems complimentary to me well, it, it's the same thing. You have um, kind of uh, kind of set play or something, but yeah. you never know how, how the outcome is right. going to be. So uh, the better you are at controlling the distance, the better you are at kind of problem solving, uh, then you can take uh, coaching advice. So a senior athlete or another coach, you might not even practice the movement, but if you're you're capable of problem solving you have basic skills you understand how how yeah. things come together and adapting adapting yeah. chain and so all the complementary sports like they, they can be actually quite different sure and, and still it'll help you so i think the multi-sport route for beginners maybe your process to be a top level athlete might be slower yeah but in the long run for those that want to compete at a highest level yeah like you can take the route of specializing early and maybe peaking early mm -hmm. or continue developing later so um, there's a lot of examples in our sport some of the best in the world they're they're really young but then others are 20 years old and you make your national team for the first time but you're a world champion because there's depth in your system there's yeah so there's there's many routes to it and i'm not a proponent of one or the other you have to individualize on each sure. person absolutely um, let's take a little bit of a, a broader look. Just tell me about the sport in the country right now. Where is it healthy? Is it growing? How would you describe fencing in Canada? Uh, it's growing uh, in many ways. So there's some there's there's some that have uh, sports schools that are three hours a day training. Mm -hmm. They have kind of community level fencing where you know you just come once a week and just get introduced to the sport. There's um, Really good level of coaching and coach education. Okay. There's, uh, um, we have pretty good um, uh, prospect to qualify for the Olympics in, in a number of events. One of our teams is ranked sixth in the world. A Calgary athlete is part of that team. Uh, she's training in the club, and you know they, they were Pan American champions in Toronto. They have. Um, uh, a core of veteran athletes okay. yep. and a young superstar who's 13 years old was top eight at a World Cup. So this is a, like a world leader in, in her age. It's, a, it's amazing. So, so, so internationally, we're, we're there. We're competitive. We're, are we moving up? Are we stayed stationary? Where are we at internationally? Uh, the, the world is becoming more competitive. Okay. So in, in 2012, we had an Olympic champion from every continent. So there was a, oh, a so okay. it used to be maybe a, a European dominated. We have sure. world champions from South America, Olympic champions, South America, Africa, Asia. Yeah. And um, our, our Canadian girl, one of the better results last Olympics, uh, beaten world number one, was top eight, just missed the medal round by by a couple, couple touches, and uh, but it was a young athlete, so this team has a good prospect for the future. So, what is the future as you see for the sport? Where, I mean, if it's growing, it, if it sounds like it's growing all across the world, then then the future must be very bright. It is, and then it, it's just a matter of 
uh, the concentration of the focus? Do you want like competitive athletes or do you want a big pool of recreational fencers? So I think, um, you know, different clubs specialize in different things and sure. it's hard to pick sure. what you want to do. But I think there's a broad appeal for fencing because it's uh, interesting. There's a lot of opportunity because of the relatively low number of participants, there's not tens of thousands. Yeah. There's only, you know, in North America, 30,000 fencers, maybe 25,000. Oh, okay. In Canada, it's only five or something okay. like that. Okay. But um, with this limit, small number of participants, there's the education route is, is something for some people. So uh, if you're not a top performer, you might not get the scholarship, but you get to go to a school of your choice because they yep. put you on the list. So there's yep. that as a... Um, motivator for some families and then for others it's just to do something that's you know safe you know you don't have the issues of concussions you have um you know yeah the, 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 a lot of kids participate in tournaments because you see see your friends and that's like a social activity so there's a kind of a spot for every kind of individual so if you're speaking to a parent who's who's thinking what what you know, every athlete's different. I, I grant you that. But what are some of the things that, you know, you, you might say to a parent, geez, you know, your, your kid's interested in this, this, and this. Maybe they should give fencing a try. What are the qualities that you would look for? Uh, well, first, I think the most important thing is to in, in, enjoy it. So some enjoy it because of the aspect of winning. And then when they start to lose and they quit. You know, that's like all sports. I'd like to have a kind of environment where you enjoy the game. So then your longevity, you can participate through your life. Uh, I think the, the problem solving and the complexity of the many different ways you can score. Uh, you know, someone wants to be work, if they excel in speed, it's great. If they excel in, like if they're very coordinated, and we can develop the speed as a secondary thing, but the, um, the tactical things you can do is more sure. varied. So sure. I, I, I think the best way, I just like to put a, a foil or a saber in a kid's hand, have them try it, and then the parents can ask the child how they enjoyed it. That's probably the, the starting point. How did you get involved? Uh, a teacher of mine was a fencer, and he brought his coach in in grade six. So I started just by trying it, mm -hmm. and I think... From my experience as a coach, but also as my introduction to the sport, the best way is just to put it in your hand and, and see how you like it. Yeah, why'd you like it, though? Well, at the time I was playing a lot, so I had some sport every day. Yeah. So we played football, soccer, sure. you know, and, and you know, fencing kind of, I started, I enjoyed it, but other sports were in, you know, in the, in the way, in the schedule. But eventually it's, it's something I, I, I came back to quickly and rep repetitively because it's interesting. There's... Uh, constantly something to learn. I was in an environment with really good athletes, so I remember they were all a number of years older, but my mom would ask me, did you win anything? I'm like, no, but I, I, was, I learned a lot. So <laughs> being in an environment where you're with like highly skilled competitive athletes, I, I realized how much I benefited from that because later in life when I was a competitive athlete, you know, sure. I, you see the transfer and those guys help me a lot. Is it an expensive sport to get into? Uh, the equipment, most clubs will provide you with equipment. So yeah. uh, at least for the introductory session, you can try it and there's not the outlay of cost. So that's kind of the culture of most clubs because mm. we want people to try it. Um, 
you know, foil and mask. It's a couple hundred dollars, but you have the electronic foil that you can use every night in practice. The mask lasts forever. Your head doesn't grow that much. And there's um, a few, you know, $500 will outfit you for everything you need. Okay. But um, that's like a competitive level. At club level, it's probably half that, and you can have your own gear for yeah. using. Pretty diverse group of athletes, boys, girls, different backgrounds, cultures. I think particularly with some of the the culturals that um, are, are are achieving at a world level, sometimes fencing is their own nation's only Olympic medal. So okay. so it's well known in some nations that you know we wouldn't think of our fencing nations um, like Venezuela and yeah. Cuba was great when I was younger and. Um, uh, like it's quite a diverse. Um, yeah. The first American um, hijab-wearing athlete at the Olympic Games was a fencer, so there's a little bit of media coverage in that. Sure. There's a diverse kind of number of personalities. There's a Nike athlete, Red Bull athletes, is all tattoos. Guy from <laughs> and you know, sure. you know, New York black kid who's not the uh, what we imagine like a sure. fencer is, but. Um, these are great role models for diversity in our sports. We have you know, globally, it's uh, yeah, it's growing kind of diverse. Okay, so back to gladiators. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about programming. Um, when when can people get involved? Is there seasons? How, what's the best way to, to find out? Uh, the main season kind of mirrors the school season, uh, but you can enter at any point. So I, we like to introduce people with the individual lessons, so you kind of get some basic attention and then we work you into a group of you know similar skill and age yeah so uh, you can start any time in the year we have summer camps for just introduction after school kind of programs um, and yeah. you can try uh, one two three disciplines our club is the only club that offers all three all three okay so you can switch in and out and we have a pretty diverse group of coaches so you can you can try with a number of coaches number of groups different discipline yeah where can they find you how can they get more information so we're in southwest calgary gladiators fencing club uh, gladiators.ca or email us info at gladiators.ca and we can connect you with uh, your first lesson yeah it's to me it, it's always one that's intrigued me um and i, I go back to something you said earlier i, I imagine you have to almost break some people with some bad habits when they come in because of, you know, movies and television and, and things like that. It'd be like shooting Olympic shooting sports as well. It's, it's not always what you think you see on the big screen, right? No, not at all. So it's uh, breaking, breaking habits or, or especially the uh, idea of kind of the, I don't know, like a romantic kind of idea. Sure. Or, but if, it doesn't matter what your motivation coming in. It, even different personalities, they express themselves differently. So if you're more offensive, defensive, uh, if someone has a strength or some idea, you can work with that too. So there's some unorthodox styles in the world that succeed, but it's uh, somebody help them develop that as their own, their own technique. So there is a kind of a large factor of your personality that's involved in, in which, which direction you take.